0: terrible. There's at least two honest people out there. <clears throat> I'm good. Oh, man, that just does it. <clears throat> and maybe I won't cough now the rest of the time. Okay, so we're going to finish up what's called the Oracle of the Nations in Isaiah. The exciting thing is, as we study the prophets of God. Um, the oracle of the nations is something that every prophet does. Every prophet has this this call, this declaration out to the nations. And I think it's important that we understand that it's not a it's not like an afterthought that God's going after the nations. Okay, when we look at the story of the Bible, we start in Genesis. We have a creation, right? Heavens and the earth. If we look at the story that Jesus told in uh, on Sunday, the, the parable of the vineyard, uh, I think I can make the case that the, the whole universe is his, right? That's all his vineyard. And he's leased it out. In Genesis uh, 2 and 3 and, and following, we have the fall of man. Genesis 6, we have the corruption of man by the angels. In uh, um, Genesis 11, 12, we have the rebellion of man. Each one is a step in the overall fall of mankind. So it's not just this event that happened in, in Eden. Otherwise, we'd just stop there. But we keep going. What happens after the rebellion of man, after Nimrod, after the Tower of Babel confusion of language, everybody tracking with me? After that moment, God says in Deuteronomy 32, somewhere around verse 8, it's a, it's a, re, a rehearsal of the law in Deuteronomy 32, God says that he disinherits the nations, that he turned the nations over and he's going to choose one person, one nation to come after him to be a light for what? What was the point of choosing? What was the point of choosing Abraham, of moving in the nation of Israel, of showing them the truth of who he was and what he's about? Well, the prophets all say the point was to be a light to the Gentiles, the nations. The word word Gentile is goyim. The word nation is Goyim. You guys tracking with me? So where at one time God says, look, I'm, I'm disinheriting. I can't, I can't, I'm letting them go. They don't want me. So they've, they've fallen, they've been corrupted, and they're rebelling. So I'm going to let them go. I'm going to let man do what he wants. He still lets man do what he wants, don't he? Didn't you do whatever you wanted today? He still lets man do what he wants, but then he says, but I'm going to redeem. I'm going to pull out my own special, peculiar people. Now, if you take that view, and we, as we look through the Old Testament and we see the nation of Israel, and, and the concept is, in the Old Testament, in the nation of Israel, when God brings judgment, where does it start? It's starting in Israel. Most of the time, it's his own people. Like, hey guys, come on, what's going on? Let's, let's get this set. But there's always in all the prophets an oracle to the nations where God is reaching out and giving his judgment and his call to repentance to all the nations. You guys have all read Jonah. We've talked about Jonah a few times. At this particular area in Isaiah, Assyria is the bad guy. <clears throat> and while Assyria was the bad guy, God doesn't, you can read the prophets and just say, oh, God's writing them off. He hates them. He just wants them all to burn. But then you have to ignore Jonah. You guys remember Jonah? Jonah, go to Nineveh. No, I don't want to go. Yeah, Jonah, go to Nineveh. No, I don't want to go. So he tries to commit suicide. Yeah? Right or wrong? When there's a storm in the ship, and they all say, we need to throw somebody off, he's like, hey, throw me off. I'm going to get the last word. God's not going to win. They're going to throw me off in the middle of the ocean. I'll drown, but I am not going to Nineveh. How'd that work out for Jonah? Yeah, he got an all expense paid. Free, all the fish he could eat, right? Trip. Yeah, he was supper for somebody. All the way to Nineveh. Nineveh, guys, is the, is the capital city of Assyria. So, And then when Jonah goes through Assyria and he calls the people to repentance, it says that the king stepped off his throne, put on sackcloth and ashes, and repented before God, and the Lord withheld his judgment on Assyria. So we, we get the view in our mind sometimes that all God's ever doing is Israel, 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 Israel. and He's not working in any of the other nations, and that's just not what's going on. Israel is his peculiar people. We come to the New Testament, does he still have a peculiar people? Peter says that the church is his own peculiar people, that we're living stones that God's putting together. What's the church's purpose? To be a light. To who? The goyim. To the nations. Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So go therefore and make disciples of... Oh, crazy how that is, huh? So the point is, what's lost in the fall of man, the story of the Bible, is a story of God's redemption of that. God redeeming... The nations. When we come to Revelation chapter 19, <clears throat> there's an angel going to put a, a banner in the ground and he's going to declare that all the kingdoms of this world are the kingdoms of our God. That It's all his, right? He's, he will come back. There will be his rule and his uh, redemption and or judgment of all the nations. Matthew 24, Matthew 25, it's all about those things. So this is a common thread that goes all the way through Scripture. So we're at the very last chapter of Isaiah's Oracle of the Nations. It began with a call against Babylon, right? An Oracle against Babylon. And we talked about the idea that Babylon's more than just a, a, a city there. Babylon is a picture of a false religious system and rebellion of man. So when the Bible wants to make a comparison between a holy city, it uses what city? Just guess, you'll probably be right. Jerusalem. If the Bible wants to use an example of a city that's messed up, what's it going to use? Well, wow. you should know that from Revelation, right? When we read Revelation, Babylon the Great is fallen, is fallen, right? We have this judgment against Babylon. And last time I checked, Babylon's not that big a deal right now, Right? Babylon's, Babylon's just a, a bunch of rubble, but what Babylon stood for. So it begins, <clears throat> the oracle of the nation begins looking east, Babylon. Now it's going to look west to Tyre. So it's going to cover like the two outside edges of, of their world in their days, as far as east is and west. East being Babylon, which is representative of a rebellion, And then the the next judgment is Tyre. And Tyre is also representative. Tyre is a literal city. I'm not saying it's not a literal city. It is. There's literal judgments against Tyre for sure. But there's more than just what's happening in Tyre. When we read it, you should hear Revelation 18 in your head. Because the same verses are in Revelation 18. And it's an oracle against Babylon. It's an oracle against a commercial center. Remember, all the merchants are going to weep and mourn when Babylon the great has fallen, has fallen. And so here we see in Isaiah, Tyre <coughs> is a picture of that. Tyre in the ancient world was the, was the trade capital. You could not trade uh, except with your neighbor unless you went through Tyre. Tyre was the shipping department, right? Tyre's tire, Amazon. So you can't get nothing unless you go to Amazon, right? Amazon, everything's at Amazon, If I can't find something somewhere, can I find it at Amazon? Yeah, I I bought my books for English, my English class this year, on Amazon. Yeah, for six bucks. It was a pretty good deal. So Amazon's like Tyre. It's a commercial center. It's where everybody goes to trade. So in essence, you have the beginning of Isaiah's Oracle against a false religious, um, rebellious picture, and the end against a commercial center. Right? One is a one's a judgment of false religion, the other's a judgment of serving money. And so that's the two bookends, if you will, the of the Oracle of the Nations in Isaiah. So as we look at chapter 23, we just want to keep those things in mind. If you have time, Revelation 18, <clears throat> much of the scripture we're going to read today, straight out of it. There's a couple of times I'll refer back to it so you can. see the picture but that that's where it all is coming out of now there's an order to this oracle the oracle is going to begin with the ships now i want you to picture it it's going to begin like this idea of of God saying to the ships who are coming back to tire oh man you guys been out a long time it's such a good thing to be going home but there's no home to go to the ships that are coming back from all their trade have nowhere to go. Now, Tyre is Phoenician, just like Babylon. Babylon is a city; it's not a it's not a country. Are you guys with me? Tyre is a city, not a country. Jerusalem is a city, not a country. But but they're they're associated with countries. The Phoenicians were the nation uh, for which Tyre was at least one of their capitals. So so he's going to go from the ships coming back. To the Phoenician homeland, like the whole nation of Phoenicia, and their, what their their shock, and then he's going to look at Egypt, and Egypt's shock that Tyre has fallen, and then he's going to look at their neighbors around him, like the, to the ends of the earth, what the, what the rest of the world is saying, and then he'll finally come back and just focus in on what's happening in Tyre. So that's kind of the, the order in the chapter as we take a look. So in verse 1, he says, this oracle... Concerning Tyre, wail, O ships of Tarshish, for Tyre is laid waste without house or harbor from the land of Cyprus. It's revealed to them. So the ships of Tarshish, Tarshish is coming probably from where we would consider Spain today. So Tarshish is traveling all the way across the Mediterranean, which is the sea most often that they're, that they're talking about, which was a long ways for them to travel back then, you know, when, you know, Israel's Israel not big about going on the sea, right? So these guys are traveling all, and where do they all go? All the ships are headed to Tyre, because that's where they pick up the goods, and then they go from there to the rest of the world. So he's saying to them, you guys wail mourned, because you're coming to the hub, right? Where you think, hey, I'm going to trade, I'm going to make money, this is going to be a good deal. But Tyre's not there anymore. This is the word of the prophet. Tyre's not there. The ships are, are coming, looking forward to a rest. But there's no rest to be found. Then in verse 2, <clears throat> he looks toward Phoenicia. He says, Be still, O inhabitants of the coast. The merchants of Sidon who cross the sea have filled you. So the the picture, Tyre, here's this city full of commerce, full of wealth. They they have this ability to be self-sufficient, but their self-sufficiency is not saving them. You get it? Like here comes Assyria, right? Remember I told you, Assyria is the bad guy, and God says that that this Assyrian conquering, which is a picture of what man does, right? We go to Daniel chapter 2, you have a vision of Nebuchadnezzar, a statue, all these different metals, we've been talking about it which states that all a kingdom of man is not eternal. Man has been looking for utopia since the beginning. No? Right? In fact, man's been looking for a utopia so long, now he's happier writing dystopic. Right? About dystopias. It's something that looks like a utopia, but really it's rotten. You know, that's like the perfect society. It's all perfect, but you're really eating people instead of food. That was uh, Solient Green. Nobody's alive that remembers that, huh? I'm the last of the Mohicans. <clears throat> but we have this idea, this dystopia that that there is no ever going to be no perfect land. Why? Because the kingdoms of men are always perishing. Daniel has a vision of the kingdoms of men. He sees them as God sees them as beasts. One more ferocious than the next, more ferocious than the next. They're always changing. Somebody else is always coming on the scene. And so God says, hey, it's Syria's coming. Syria's going to lay waste to you. And your self-sufficiency is not going to save you. The the lesson on this first half of the book of Isaiah is there's only one place that you're going to be saved. And when we get to the middle of the book of Isaiah, we're going to see God's deliverance of Judah. Supernaturally, God's going to take care of his people. When When we look at Ezekiel, we see the same thing in Ezekiel, same pictures in Ezekiel, God's supernatural deliverance. You guys remember a battle in Ezekiel called Gog and Magog, right? Everybody, everybody tracking? Prophetic buffs that we have. A lot of times people want to look at Gog and Magog and say, well, it's Russia, and one day Russia's going to invade Israel, and God's going to supernaturally deliver. Well, they're, they're at least 70% right. Uh, there's no reason to think Gog and Magog are Russia. However, it is talking about a battle between good and evil where God delivers his people supernaturally. Um, wait a minute, there's another story like that in the Bible though, isn't there? Uh, uh, it seems like Revelation chapter 19, all the armies of the Antichrist are, are attacking the people of God and all of a sudden Jesus comes on a white horse, no? In a place called Har Megiddo? the Valley of Armageddon. So you have the battlefield once again of good and evil and God delivering his people supernaturally. If it it happens three times in the Bible, you want to take a guess on whether or not it happens more? It's actually not that uncommon a story. And there are real life events where people come against Israel and God delivers them just like that. So the message that God's saying to the nations, hey, deliverance is with me. You, I, I'm the one who can save your, your money, your trade. All these people who love you because they can make money when they come to you. <clears throat> They're not going to save you. They filled you up with merchandise. All that meant was that to Assyria, you look like a good thing to conquer. Now we can take all that. Now we can have all that gold that can all come to us. In verse 3, he says, on on many waters your revenue was the grain of Sihor, the harvest of the Nile. You were the merchant to the nations. So man, everything, everybody's coming through you. So to Phoenicia, the motherland, you're going to mourn the loss of this city. Just like we would New York. How much trade with the world comes through New York? How much trade with the world comes through the, you know those different harbor cities where... Uh, so many things. There's this little thing in New York called the Stock Exchange. You guys heard of that? Yeah? So what happens if tomorrow New York's not there no more? God, let it burn. I don't have any money there anyway. Yeah? But, the idea is, the commercial center, the commercial world, they're going to mourn. They're going to mourn. And all that, that people put their hope in. I had all my hope in this. I, uh, this was my retirement, right? All. Oh, what was going to come out of the stock exchange? or What was going to come out of the, the trading and the, the things that go on? But now it's gone. And, and the Lord is saying, yeah, because that was never going to be your hope. If your hope is your 401k, that can go away in a blink of an eye. God, my dad's went away in one afternoon. Poof, Gone. All that retirement you thought you had over. Yeah, it was, I don't remember which it is. There's been so many now Black Friday or Black, Black Friday is Christmas, huh? Black Saturday, Black Monday. It was a black, they called it a black something. And the stock exchange crashed and that was it, gone. Poof. So just like that, if that's your hope, the Lord is saying that's not, that's, that's not any more stable than the nation. Is your hope that, the, that, that we're... Are you hoping that our government is going to finally get their act together? Come on. We can't, we can't even sit down and talk for one whole afternoon. And before we give them too much grief, neither can we. I, we had a thing in the, in the round table on how could we develop a Christian platform does not take red or blue let's develop our own yeah the for people who came never came again, yeah, one and that was like an hour they'd spent an hour and a half <clears throat> and that's just too much hassle, but in reality that that's how the work gets done, isn't it but hey if your if your hope is man, man's going to let us down where's our hope? Hope needs to be in the Lord. God is able to deliver. Just like these stories lay out for us, that God indeed is able. Now, all of this mourning and weeping for the ships and and this trade, man, it ought to sound like Revelation. Revelation 18, I'll just read a couple of verses. 18, beginning at verse 15, it says, Now the merchants of these wares who gained wealth from her, they'll stand afar off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning aloud. Alas! Alas, for the great city that was clothed with fine linen, (coughs) in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and jewels and with pearls, for in a single hour all that wealth has been laid waste. And all the shipmasters and the seafaring men and sailors and those who trade is on the sea, they stand afar off and they cry as they see the smoke of her burning. What city was like this great city? And they drew or they threw dust on their heads and they wept and they mourned and they cried. Alas, alas, the great city where all who had ships at sea grew wit- rich by her wealth, for in a single hour she is laid waste. So you have this judgment of Tyre, but this is what I want you to see. It's it's more than just the, the city of Tyre. It's what the city of Tyre stood for. The city of Tyre was that that concept of wealth, like I'm going to make all these plans and I'm, this is going to be my thing. There was a time in my life where I had it all worked out and, and God called me and I said, oh no, uh, Lord, you don't have to worry about this one. I got it covered. I've got the, these retirement accounts, this money that I've been saving, all this stuff. We're good. And nobody told me that, that somebody had been embezzling all that and it was all gone. Until one day you you went to go take it out and there's nothing there. What do you mean there's nothing there? I'm sorry. Well, what am I supposed to do now? We really don't know. Yeah, in an hour, poof, it's gone. And you find out that even with nothing, even when you don't got nothing left, you got nothing left in an account, you got no food in the fridge, you got no gas in the car, even when you have nothing left, You still have everything you need. Because God's still there. I'm still here. I didn't starve to death, freeze to death, or die. Was not the most pleasant thing I ever endured, but I endured because God walked us through. There was no deliverance in my plan, but there was deliverance with the Lord. For He is able to do abundantly above all we can ask or imagine according to the power that works within us. God is Abel, that's his message to the nations. He's he's not saying, I don't want you guys. He's saying, look, I want you guys to know there's no hope anywhere else. <clears throat> None of these things is going to save you. Verse 4, he says, be, be ashamed, O Sidon, for the sea is spoken, the stronghold of the sea, saying, I have neither labored nor given birth. I have neither reared young men nor brought up young women. It's the idea is here that the <laughs> destruction of Tyre and the Phoenician cities means that all these other cities if you will mother cities are not, are not going to be having any young the cities are gone the ability to give birth to have to have uh, the the wealth and the commerce that they've had up until this time it's all going away the terrible news that is Total decimation to Phoenicia and all those who traded with Tyre. The sea is a picture of chaos. And out of the chaos, there's not going to be any more children. We're not going to be able to continue. This is all going to stop. And the trade of Tyre is all going to come to an end. Then Isaiah looks at how Egypt is going to see it. He says, and when the report comes to Egypt, there will be anguish over the report with Tyre. Egypt is going to mourn. Why? Because their ability to trade to Babylon is going to go through Tyre. <coughs> their ability to trade in Spain, their ability to get their goods somewhere else where someone else will pay for them, it's going to stop. And now it's just walking it down the road like the, the old and olden days. But how'd that work out? You guys heard of Robin Hood? You think that's a new idea? You think when they did caravans and they put all their goods on camels and walked it across the desert, how many of them caravans do you think made it? All of them? You think they got all their stuff where they were trying to walk it to? Could they walk it to Spain? Nope. So they're not trading it with them no more. Maybe they can walk it to Babylon, but you know Solomon, he built a city. He built a, a, uh, a chariot city called Megiddo right on the king's highway. Because what a great place to have a chariot city, right? So everybody's got to walk right by your chariot city. Man, hey, we'll give you protection. You can can hang out here. Uh, I don't know. Give us, you know, 10%. How many cities like that on the way? All of the things that they're trying to do and trying to hope in, they're all coming crashing down. Egypt is going to be in mourning about all they lost. Why? There's a collapse of commerce, but there's something else. After Tyre comes Egypt. So Egypt knows we're next. Assyria got Tyre, now we're next. We're the next in line uh, as this all comes through. And then he's going to kind of scope the vision of the, of the prophecy out. He says, cross over to Tarshish. Cross over to Tarshish. Again, That we're probably looking at Spain. Whale, <clears throat> O inhabitants of the coast. Is this your exultant city whose origin is from days of old, whose feet carried her to settle far away? Hey, Tyre had three things going for her. She was a vital city, and everybody loved it. Because everybody could make money there. She'd been a city forever. Everybody was coming to Tyre and doing business. If You would say to yourself, well, Tyre's always going to be here. It's always going to be a city. And she colonized. She, She had colonies all around. In fact, she had a colony... Right on the coast in Portugal. <laughs> that was where the ships from Tarshish would, would launch out from and return to. And all of this coming from Tyre. They're saying, how can Tyre go down? How, how can Tyre end? Everybody loves her. It's all good. Well, because we, we are not in charge as much as we think we might be. And we have this thing, the ability to mess up everything we touch. No, am I the only one who can do that? You ever like have all the best intentions to do something and have something go sideways no matter what you tried to do? And the more you tried to get it straight, the more sideways it went? And man's good at that. Yeah, everybody does. Everybody has this same struggle, this same idea, and Scripture is going to talk about it. But one of the things that Abraham did is he stopped looking, he stopped putting his hope in this world, and he started putting his hope in a city that God would build, right? In Hebrews 11, verse 9, he said, By faith he went and lived in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, didn't even know where he was going, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob. What's the point? He lived in dwellings that were temporary, do you understand that your dwellings are temporary? This, Even if you're on a family farm that's been a family farm for a hundred years, your dwellings are temporary. But we don't take any of that with us. He dwelled in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise, because he was looking forward to the city that has foundations. There is a city coming that will be eternal. There is a kingdom coming that won't pass away. Daniel said... There's a mountain that's going to fill the whole earth. The kingdom of God is going to come and it's a kingdom that will not pass away. There's not going to be a day when you get a bad ruler in the kingdom of God. You're always going to have a righteous ruler. It's always going to be true. It's always going to be right. Why? Because it's designer and builder is God. Because what he's been trying to get across to the nations for the last couple thousand years is you can't do it on your own. But the nations are pretty sure we can. You ever had that moment when you're trying to teach one of your children and they're like, Oh, no, I got this. No, son, you're not doing it right. No, I got it. Dad, I got it. Now, by the second I got it, I'm like, cool. Go for it. And then I get a call and The brakes are in backwards, and the car won't stop, and sparks are going everywhere, and help. That's what I was trying to tell you. But you already know. God does the same thing. In the rebellion of man, God steps back and says, You're rejecting me because you're so sure your way is better. Go. Run it. But God would tell them through the prophets, This world is wild. You can't tame the storms. I can. You have consequences to the choices you make that that you're unwilling to pay. Right? Sure we do. One of the number one ways we deal with consequences is to kill the consequence. Right? Well, didn't really want to get pregnant and it's not really... Very helpful for us right now, so we'll just kill the consequence. Never mind well the choices we made that brought it. <clears throat> That's just me doing my thing. It's all good. So we <clears throat> we think that we can sow to the wind and not reap the how's it go? Oh yeah, crazy, huh? Consequences, consequences, the things that are coming, the wildness of the world. God created the world wild. Do you know that? God created a sea that has big waves in it. We have this idea. You know, when God created the earth, the sea was probably really tranquil. I don't think so. I think the sea was the sea, man. And God said, I can calm it. You want to see? You need me. That man's like, oh, no, no. We got this. We got this. We've been doing a bang-up job ever since. Things have been going great. So they ask a question in verse 8. Look at the question. Who has purposed this against Tyre? Why is this happening? Why has this happened to Tyre? The bestower of crowns, the one whose merchants were princes, whose traders (coughs) were honored of the earth. Who's done this horrible thing? What's the next verse? The Lord did. God, what are you doing? Well, how, how do I reconcile this Lord who, who allows these things to happen, who brings these things to pass, who brings this judgment with the, the God that we sing about who has reckless love? How's that work? How can God have reckless love if he holds me accountable? Well, if you're asking that question, you need to grow up a little. Because you get held accountable every day here. No? If you go home and you speed through filer, what's gonna happen? Oh, why would God do that to me? Well, maybe because you're speeding and it was a policeman that did it. And your foot. No, is there no responsibility? Do we have no part in it? Are the things are the things that we reap, the whirlwind that comes, are they not part of the sowing to the wind we've sown? You don't get it both ways. Rebellion against God. We don't need you, God. We got this thing covered. And then to complain to God because, yeah, stuff happens. Oh, God said the world's wild. One kingdom's going to conquer the next, going to conquer the next. I'm the answer, but you've rejected me, right? You rejected me. Who brought this? Who's brought this? The Lord of hosts has proposed it. Why? Because it's not going to save you. It can't help you. In a little while, <clears throat> Hezekiah is going <clears> to <throat> be delivered by God of the Assyrians. And he's so excited that God's delivered him that he invites some people over from Babylon. And the Babylonians come over and he's saying, Man, you guys really ought to check out what we got. Man, this, this guy, Solomon, he built this temple there's so much gold in there. Come here. I'll show it to you. And so Hezekiah walks him all over. And he says, check it out. I mean, the whole wall's gold. Everything in here is gold. Isn't this cool, man? It's Yeah. And the Babylonians are like, yeah. It really is. We'll be back. Only we're coming with an army. And they did. And they took it all. And we turn around and shake a fist at God. God, why'd you make that happen? Don't you think God scratches his head sometimes? Well, why'd you invite the Babylonians over and show it to him? Wasn't that all your pride? In fact, right after Hezekiah does it, God says, what have you done? They're coming back, and they're going to take it all. And you know what Hezekiah says? Is it going to happen in my lifetime? And God says, no. And Hezekiah says, good. Well, <laughs> oh, cool. Is that any different than how our world's been running the last 200 years in the United States? Is this problem going to come for me? No. It'll be cool during my time. Right on. Yeah, let's keep going. Let them worry about it. Payday. Someday. Someday. We've been reaping to the wind. If you think we're not going to reap the whirlwind, you are outside your mind. The things, the judgments that came upon God's people in the past for the things that they did, and you think that judgment's not coming to root, you are crazy. What's God calling us to do? Put your trust in Him. Put your trust in Him. Same thing Jeremiah told the people when they were taken in chains to Babylon. Put your trust in God. This won't be the end of the story. That's the point. Put your hope in Him. It's the Lord of hosts who has has proposed it. Why? To defile the pompous pride of all glory. To dishonor all the honored of the earth. You guys all think you got it without me. So really, God doesn't—I don't think God has to do any more than just let us do our thing. You know what I'm saying? Let them do their thing and watch what happens. And God can say, "Yeah, I propose this. I let them do their thing. If they do their thing, here comes the repercussions. And they'll shake their fist at me, and they'll be angry at me, and they'll." Assume they have no responsibility in the whole issue. Because if I was really loving, I would take away all their consequences. Yet you as a parent don't do that. Do you? You take away all the consequences from your child? The Bible is very clear. It says if you love your child, you don't do that. If you hate your child, you do. So maybe we ought to work off of God's definition of reckless love. Loving people anyway, even though they won 't love you back, and still holding them accountable for what they do wrong, just like we should be holding our children accountable when they do wrong no, or we just give them a pass. Look the world's full of wild knuckle headed kids that nobody ever made them give account, but there's an accounting coming, isn't there? Twin Falls jail so full they got five hundred guys in three rooms. How come? why is it so full well the bible would say if you would discipline your child then they're not going to end up in that place they're going to learn where the lines are and if you don't someone's going to teach them no God says that's what love is love doesn't let them go wild love love doesn't let it get to that point love says no this is not okay and we apply the, the punishment to the seat of learning, right? And <laughs> make it work. Make it work. This is what the Lord is doing. He says, hey, you're full of pride. You think you've got this all covered? But here's what God wants us to know. He wants to share <coughs> His character with all of humanity. It's never been just only solely about Israel. It's always been the nations. The nations have always been a part of it. In Isaiah chapter 2, it says, The word of, the, of Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, that it will come to pass in the latter days, that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established on the highest of mountains. Mountains is a picture of kingdoms, saying the kingdom of God is going to be better and bigger than every other kingdom. It will be lifted up above the hills. And what happens? All the nations will do what? Will flow to it. What does God want? God's not looking to excommunicate, to cut out the nations, to throw them all away. God wants them to come in. Now, everybody gets to make their choice. Everybody gets to uh, receive or reject, rebel, or bow the knee. But the call's gone out, no? The call from the church went out. The call to Israel went out, didn't it? Didn't God tell Israel, you're a light to the Gentiles? He sure did. Whether they did it or not was on them. But that was God's call. That was God's desire to, to draw the nations. <clears throat> In Isaiah 58, the area from where we get our fast that we're doing uh, here this month, it says, is not <clears throat> this the fast that I chose to loose the bonds of wickedness? Here's my question. Where? Where does God want to loose the bonds of wickedness? Just in Israel? That's not what he says. To undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break... What's the word? Every, how many yokes? Every yoke. Every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with what hungry? Only the Jewish hungry? Is that what it says? What does the text say? The text says, Share your bread with the hungry. What about the homeless? Do what to them? Bring the homeless poor into your house. What about with the naked? When you see the naked, do what? Clothe them. Doesn't Jesus say something like this? Doesn't Jesus in the judgment of the nation say, You know, when you didn't feed the hungry, when you didn't clothe the naked, when you didn't visit the prisoners, you didn't do it to me. And they say to him, Lord, when didn't we do it? And Jesus said, when you didn't do it unto the least of these, my brethren, you didn't do it to me. That's not new, is it? So does God care for all the hungry or only certain hungry? All the naked or only some of the naked? Does God want us to be part of that equation? Does he want us to be his hands to not hide ourselves from our own flesh? What's he talking about? Is he talking about only Jews? Don't hide yourself from from other Jews. He says, Because if you do this, your light will dawn. Your healing will come speedily. Your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, the Lord will answer, you'll cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, stop pointing the finger and speaking wickedness. If you pour yourself out for the hungry, satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then will your light rise in the darkness. Your gloom will be as noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places. Make your bones strong and you will be a watered garden like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins will be what? Yeah. So in the oracle of the nations, how many had ancient ruins? Just Israel? They're the only ones? Your ancient ruins will be rebuilt. You shall raise up foundations of many generations. You will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to dwell in. But God's purpose is to show the folly of human pride. In Isaiah chapter 2, verse 11, The haughty looks of man will be brought low, the lofty pride of men will be humbled, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. Our pride is stupid. We're lame. We we, I don't know what we got to be so proud of. Yeah, we don't got it. We not even here. Yeah, U.S. is great, right? I bleed red, white, and blue just like everybody else. But but we're not all that. We need to repent. We need to get right. We got nothing to be proud about. Verse ten of Isaiah twenty-three, <clears throat> speaking to. Uh, through Egypt and to the the places uh, all around them. Cross over your land like the Nile, daughter of Tarshish. There's no restraint anymore. You're not going to be able to help them. Tarshish, remember coming from Phoenicia, coming from Spain. Tyre was gone in an hour. The same thing it says about Babylon. Verse 11, he stretched out his hand over the sea. He shook the kingdoms. The Lord has given command concerning Canaan to destroy its strongholds. The sea belongs to God. The kingdoms belong to God. The whole place is God's. It's His. The earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. It's all His, eh? Ours. What did you make? That God didn't give you. So be thankful. Be thankful and praise his name. He said, you will no more exult, O oppressed virgin daughter of Sidon. Arise, cross over to Cyprus. And even there you'll find no rest. The judgment is sure. It's going to come. It's going to happen. In uh, Babylon, there was a, a hand. Do you remember the hand? You have, is it Belshazzar throwing a party? And a hand comes out and writes on a wall. You guys remember? Many, many, techo eufarsin. You have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Today, your kingdom is taken from you. On the day of judgment, it's too late. The time for repentance is not the day of judgment. When's the time of repentance? Yeah, right now, it's a good time. Don't wait for then. He's saying to these guys, hey, this has come. It's written. It's happening. He said uh, in verse 13, behold the land of the Chaldeans. This is the people that was not. Assyria destined it for wild beasts. They erected their siege towers and stripped her palaces bare. They made her ruin. He says, you think it's not going to happen to you? Tyre still standing when Tyre receives this note. He says, look at Babylon. They said the same thing when God said, Assyria is going to come and take you out. Oh, no, they're not. Oh, look now. Look now. They've been taken down. Whale, those ships of Tarshish. For your stronghold is laid waste. For in that day, Tyre will be forgotten for seventy years, like the days of one king. This is interesting to me. I don't have a lot of time to jump into it, but in Daniel it says seventy sevens are determined for your people. Right? The 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 captivity for the nation of Israel was seventy years, and here you have the same thing about Tyre. The only difference is Tyre is representative. I can't point to you a thing in history and say this is where this happened. So what is the 70 about? Well, it's interesting, something we need to to chase down. He says the 70 years is like the days of one king, like the life of a king, right? 70 years is average, how long someone lives. The king reigns, maybe average, 70 years, I don't know. But at the end of 70 years, it will happen to Tyre. Just like in the song of the prostitute. Oh, well, what's that mean? The song of the prostitute. Take a harp, go to the city, O oh, forgotten prostitute, make a sweet melody. Sing many songs that you may be remembered. Go ahead, play your harp. At the end of 70 years, you're going to be able to come back. You're going to come back, you're going to play the harp, you're going to go back to the same old stuff. At the end of 70 years, the Lord will visit Tyre, and she will return to her wages. And she will prostitute herself with all the kingdoms of the world on the face of the earth. It's all going to come back around. Because what does man learn from history? Not very much. Yeah? How many times have we seen things repeated? Yeah? Doesn't every nation make the same mistakes? Funny how that is, no? She's gonna return, but she's not gonna be restored until the Lord visitors, until the Lord visits her. But her merchandise, her wages, all that money, all that stuff, everything that she works for and, and, and brings forth that she thinks is what's gonna save her, it will not be stored or hoarded. Her merchandise will supply abundant food and fine clothing for those who dwell before the Lord. Who is in charge of her wealth? Who gave her her wealth? Who gave her her prominence? Who gave her the abilities that she has? So God says, Yeah, it's all going to go. All that wealth's going to go where I send it. It's going to accomplish my purpose, my goal. What's God's goal? To redeem the nations, to see the nations return, to see the nations come back to the Lord. But that that day is also going to be a day of judgment, right? Matthew 24, 25. Where God's going to line up the nations as the sheep and the goats. Yeah? And the sheep are his and the goats, they live outside. They don't come in the kingdom. That's God's purpose. Redeem the nations. So when they find themselves hearing from a prophet before the events take place... That this is all collapsing. God's saying, look, I care enough about you to tell you what's coming. Now repent. And come to me and I'll save you. All man's ever had to do was submit and come. And salvation was right there. It's the same way it is today. All man's ever had to do is, is lay down his pride, right? God opposes the proud but does what? Gives grace to the humble. That's right. Why don't we uh, go before the Lord this evening? Father God, we just thank you for this time we can spend in your word. God, we thank you for the opportunity to study. And Lord, I pray that we grow in our understanding, that we glean more and more about what your word is declaring, what you're calling us to, God. And Lord, I pray that you might be glorified and magnified we put our hope in you, that we don't make the mistakes that all these other nations have made, that we learn From the failures of others. And we put our hope and our trust in you. We recognize that we can come to you. Because you are a God who saves. And so you lay out the word before the events happen. For us, we don't have Isaiah 23. We're not tired. But we can read Revelation and see the same thing about us. We can see the same thing about judgment coming. We can see the same words used against them, now laid out for a people yet future. And we ask ourselves, am I ready? Have I, have I heard the voice of God? Have I responded to His call? For He is the only name under heaven by which men must be saved. God, would pray that we would just have <coughs> our eyes on You, that we recognize that You are, are our Deliverer. God, we pray that you be glorified as we put our trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.